Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. It is Tuesday, January 31st, and this is People Every Day. Hey there, beautiful people. Janine Rubenstein back with you on this chilly Tuesday. I know a lot of you are getting some nasty snow and ice, so be careful out there, please. That said, we have got some Bachelor recapping to do that will hopefully warm you up and maybe get that heart pumping. Plus, there is some drama heating up surrounding the future of the Presley estate, and it sounds like Priscilla wants in. So put on a cozy sweater as we start off with some other stories on today's front burner. Just gonna keep that analogy going. Yesterday, the children of Cindy Williams released a statement to people that the beloved actress died peacefully last Wednesday following a brief illness. The comedic actress had a prolific career in TV with roles on shows like Happy Days, Chips, and Getting By, but she is best known for her role as Shirley Feeney, starring opposite Penny Marshall's Laverne DeFazio on Laverne and Shirley, which, of course, had one of the catchiest intros in TV history. The statement from Williams' children, Zach and Emily Hudson, read in part, The passing of our kind, hilarious mother, Cindy Williams, has brought us insurmountable sadness that could never truly be expressed. And continued with, She was one of a kind, beautiful, generous, and possessed a brilliant sense of humor and a glittering spirit that everyone loved. Her fellow Happy Days alum, Ron Howard, has been reminiscing about the late star and opened up about the time he was a little unsure about an on-camera kiss they shared in the 1973 coming-of-age film, American Graffiti. Howard said, quote, she was 24 and I was 18, and added, they weren't very romantic because she knew that she had this nervous kid on her hands and she had to take charge of the situation. And so she was like, here's how we got to kiss for the camera. Here's what we have to do. Additionally, the Apollo 13 director told people that he was struck by Williams's quote, intelligence, energy, and sense of humor, and also said of his friend, it's really a shock to imagine that spark is gone. Cindy Williams was 75 years old. Moving on to another well-known TV star, last night Pamela Anderson stepped out for the premiere of her Netflix documentary, Pamela Anderson, A Love Story. Anderson was flanked by her two sons, Dylan and Brandon, who was one of the film's producers, on the red carpet, but all eyes were on her as she wore a floor-length red dress, which was an obvious nod to her signature Baywatch swimsuit. The model and actress has been making the rounds the past few weeks to promote her memoir and the documentary, and we've all been learning a lot about her life. In the doc, which is out today, Anderson says she split with her ex-husband and professional poker player Rick Salomon after she found a crack pipe in their family Christmas tree back in 2007. In the film, Anderson claims, quote, he still to this day denies and says it was somebody else, adding, quote, who else would have a crack pipe in the Christmas tree? It wasn't me. 
I mean, yeah, a crack pipe in the Christmas tree sounds like a huge deal breaker to me, and probably Santa. While she may still be on the rocks with Salomon, at least about that, Anderson can rest assured that one of her ex-husbands still has her best interests at heart, or at least her bank account. Film producer John Peters was married to Anderson for all of 12 days back in 2020, but Peters spoke about his continued fondness for his ex-wife. He told a news outlet recently that, quote, I will always love Pamela, always in my heart, and went on to put his money where his mouth is. He added, I left her $10 million in my will, and she doesn't even know that. I mean, $10 million for a 12-day marriage? Just wow. Like I said, Pamela Anderson, A Love Story drops on Netflix today. I definitely plan to watch and see what other wild stories make it to the surface. And now we are turning our attention to Priscilla Presley's dispute over the king's daughter's riches. It has been a little over a week since Lisa Marie Presley was laid to rest at Graceland in a celebration of life on January 22nd. And who now inherits her estate is the big question. Her mother, Priscilla Presley, is contesting the will. And people close to Lisa Marie say she wanted the trust to go to her kids, including eldest daughter, Riley. People has reached out to both parties, Grandma Priscilla, who appears to be out of the will, and Riley, who is in, for comment on this dispute, and neither have responded. But again, sources who were close to Lisa Marie say they don't understand what Priscilla is trying to do. And honestly, neither do I. So here to explain what is happening is friend of the show, People's Executive Editor, Jeremy Helliger. Jeremy, welcome back. Hey, Janine. Well, Jeremy, I really enjoyed speaking with you about Lisa Marie when she passed. You just have a wealth of knowledge on her and the family and their history. So can you explain to us what is happening in basic terms? Okay, so in 1977, when Elvis Presley died, he left his estate to Lisa Marie, who was his only child. She was only nine years old at the time. So when she came of age, she was the heir to his estate. Now, in 2010, she made an amendment to her will that made her mother, Priscilla, and her then business manager, Benny Siegel, the co-trustees. But in 2016, she booted them and made an amendment that made her four children the trustees to her estate. So now, fast forward to 2023, Lisa Marie has just passed away, and Priscilla Presley is challenging that 2016 amendment Mm. to Lisa Marie's will, making several different allegations. She says that Lisa Marie's signature is inconsistent with her usual signature. She says there was no witness no notarization, and she also says it was never given to Priscilla while Lisa Marie was alive. Mm. So for Priscilla, these are all grounds for her to contest what's in the will. And on the other hand of that, we have a friend that was close to Lisa Marie who said Lisa's intent was very clear. Lisa really didn't feel that Priscilla was doing anything in her best interest. We just got that quote recently. So 
A big part of this is that she and Priscilla just weren't on good terms at all and didn't have a real relationship. So what broke them down? Well, at the end of her life, she had no relationship with her mother, although they appeared at events for the movie Elvis together. Those were basically staged appearances. And one of the major points of contention was Lisa Marie's ex-husband, Michael Lockwood. She filed for divorce in 2016. It didn't become finalized until 2021. And it was a messy, messy split. And Priscilla pretty much took Michael's side. Wow. She remained friendly with Michael over the years. And she even invited him to Lisa Marie's funeral. And right now, Priscilla and Michael are actually represented by the same PR person. Mm. So they are really linked in several different ways. And obviously, while Lisa Marie was still alive, this relationship did not sit well with her. Why do we think that Priscilla would not just want her grandchildren to inherit the estate and follow the wishes of her daughter's, I guess, not dying wishes, but I mean, yeah. There's some speculation that Priscilla is being manipulated by people who don't have her best interests at heart. I also wonder, I don't have any sources to confirm this, but I wonder if now that Lisa Marie is gone, Michael Lockwood as the father of the twin daughters, Priscilla probably wants to have access to her youngest grandchildren. And maybe she sees playing ball with Michael as being the safest bet at this point as an avenue into their lives. Goodness, it's kind of a whiplash for me after seeing that funeral and just like everyone coming together and Priscilla's really just moving words about losing her daughter and now this drama. So what are you seeing in the future? It's really sad. And I have no doubt that Priscilla loved her daughter and still loves her daughter. But this is something that could end up playing out in court for years. And the thing is, you know, Priscilla Presley is 76. She's not getting any younger. I don't see this having a good ending. Yeah. No matter how it ends, someone's going to end up hurt. And although Lisa Marie is gone and her relationship with Priscilla is a done deal, there's also Priscilla's relationship with her eldest grandchild, Riley. Yeah. Which I'm sure is going to be impacted by this because by challenging Lisa Marie's will, she's sort of challenging Riley and saying that she doesn't think that Riley will do well by her mother and by her younger sisters. Interesting. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for being with us. And we will see you again tomorrow to talk more about Black History Month and some of the features we have in the issue. So we will hear from you soon. If you are interested in all of that Presley family drama, wait until we get into the latest hubbub on The Bachelor. Coming up, we break down last night's episode and see what we can expect for the rest of the season with Bachelor alum and host Jesse Palmer. Yes, he's here. But first, yesterday was quite a family affair for the Jonas Brothers. After the break, we get into their big day on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and touch on what we know about their new album news. We'll be right back. 
Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We are back, and it's time to talk about those Joe Bros. Yesterday, they received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Joe, Kevin, and Nick were in attendance for the reveal, and they were joined by their respective and collective family. Model and actress Priyanka Chopra Jonas was in attendance to support her husband, Nick, with their baby daughter, Malti Marie, in tow. After celebrating her first birthday last month, Malti marked her first public appearance yesterday. Sophie Turner turned heads in an eye-catching, bright and bold red ensemble as she cheered on her husband, Joe, who lovingly referred to his Game of Thrones alum wife as his partner in crime. Those two appeared to make it a date day and left their two daughters at home. But Danielle Jonas sat with her daughters, Valentina and Elena, and warmly watched her husband, Kevin, receive the big honor alongside his brothers. The Joe Bros have come a long way since they formed their pop group back in 2005, following their success on the Disney Channel. Then in 2013, the band broke up as the brothers looked to strike out on their own professionally. Nick put out a self-titled album back in 2014, which included the triple platinum single, Jealous. During that mid-2010s, 20-teens, whatever we're calling the last decade break, uh, Joe was the frontman for the band DNCE, which debuted with their incredibly catchy 2015 single, Cake by the Ocean. But the boy band of Brotherly Love reunited in 2019 with their smash hit, Sucker, which debuted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. This family is just so talented, but the Jonas Brothers aren't done yet. Yesterday, the trio announced that fans can expect a new album called The Album to drop May 5th of this year. And if you need to get your Jonas Brothers fix in person, don't worry. Nick, Kevin, and Joe also shared that they will be going out on tour later this year. Let's just hope everything is sorted out with Ticketmaster before then, right? Well, my rose-loving listeners, <laughs> we are two weeks into Zach Shawcross's journey to find love on The Bachelor. We had the first one-on-one date. Yep, my girl Lotto was on the show last night talking all about bad B energy. And already we got some drama starting to unfold. Let's dive into last night's episode with someone who knows the show and the season pretty well. The show's host and former Bachelor himself, Jesse Palmer. Hey, Jesse, it's great to see you again. Thanks so much for having me on. 
Well, last time we chatted with you, it was about Gabby and Rachel's season, right? As we all know, Zach competed for Rachel's heart and ultimately it didn't work out. And now he's our leading man. So what's it been like seeing him step into that role? You had a front row seat for his whole journey. Yeah, I'm really proud of Zach and just how he's handling himself at this point of his journey. We know Zach's a super humble guy, but he has incredible intentions and he's really just set on finding his person. He's being extremely authentic and true to who he is. He's already through two episodes, had to make some difficult decisions, but I can't be more proud of Zach and how he's handling himself throughout all of this. Nice. Well, let's dive into last night's episode. I want to talk about this group date with Lotta. She's the perfect person to talk about bad B energy, right? So is Lotta a, a Bachelor Nation fan? Like, please fill us in on how this guest appearance came to be. So obviously I don't book our talent, but I can say just as the host of the show, I was so thrilled and excited it was her because I'm a huge fan. I know having her there, you could just see it on the women's faces as well. They were excited. I know Zach was excited. I think she was the perfect person to sort of lead that group date with everybody. So on this date, Lotto told the ladies she's here to help Zach find someone with bad B energy. But she wasn't going to go about this alone. Three Bachelor Nation alums, Victoria Fuller, uh, Courtney Robertson, and Tajwan Hawkins also joined the group date to help with this mission. But later that night, Tajwan went to the cocktail party and told Zach she wants to join his season. Was Tajwan interested in Zach before joining this group date? What is happening here? Yeah, I don't speak for Tajwan, but I think she certainly knew who Zach was leading in. And obviously she had seen some of Gabby and Rachel's season. I think as the episode sort of went on, she had made a decision that she wanted to see if if there was something there and and there was a connection. And you obviously saw that unfold on the episode yesterday. Zach sort of gets put in a bit of a difficult situation. And I mean, I think the one thing to look back on all that in the moment, you know, he didn't let any of the drama really sort of fester and manifest itself, especially with the other women. There are a lot of different people, had they been in Zach's position, they may have sort of slow played it a little bit and sort of gone around the room asking different women what their opinion would be if, in fact, he did decide to bring another woman into the mansion. And Zach sort of made the decision himself. He made it very, very quickly. And I think that's something that really sort of endeared him to a lot of the women in the house. Well, let's talk about this one-on-one date Zach had with Christina. They had that amazing helicopter ride over Los Angeles, and then she met his family. It seemed like she really clicked with them, but the emotions came later that day when Christina told Zach she has a five-year-old daughter. And Zach was honest with her and told her that while he wants to be a dad one day, he doesn't know if he's ready. So still, he gave her the rose because he thinks the world of Christina. Do you think Zach expected things to get this emotional on the first one-on-one date? No, I I definitely don't think so at all. That was information that certainly Zach was not expecting, but I give Christina a lot of credit because you've got to be honest and you can't waste time. And I think one of the things with Christina, she absolutely adores and worships and loves her daughter so much. And that's, that's part of who Christina is. I think Zach also understands He'd be something there with Christina and he does feel a little bit of a spark and he's going to obviously need to take some more time to figure out if that's something long-term that he's looking for or that he can handle. But Zach has been extremely intentional this entire time of giving time to all the different women and really trying to find out as much as he can about them. So I know that was a special one-on-one for Zach getting to introduce Christina to his family. It was also really, really important for Zach and for Christina 
to really be honest and upfront with each other. And I think we saw that. Like just straight honesty. It's so great. Well, while we're still talking about Christina, she had a little moment with Brianna last night. Brianna confronted Christina about a comment she made on night one about the show being, quote, rigged and hating her for getting America's first impression rose. So Christina apologized. But in the trailer for what's to come, it looks like the drama is not done between these two ladies. So what can you tease for us here? Obviously, there's some more conversations still to be had. I think for Brianna, she's someone who certainly felt a little bit of trepidation coming into the mansion on night one, having gotten America's first impression rose already. She wasn't sure if how that was going to sit with a lot of the other women in the house. And up until the rose ceremony in the second episode, Brianna didn't get the validation that she had been looking for mm. from Zach up into that. Point. There's probably still going to be some uneasiness. Yeah. There's going to be an epic pool party. There's going to be the Bachelor Bowl. Going to be a lot of different environments and opportunities, I think, for those conversations to happen. And we're going to see what goes down. Got it. Got it. And as a Bachelor alum yourself, I just want to know when you're looking at, you know, the women that are in the house vying for Zach's attention right now, how would you feel with this? sampling of America's Most Beautiful Women. Just going back into your bachelor days, like, is this going to be a tough one? Oh, no doubt about it. I don't envy Zach in that respect at all. I think it's pretty apparent just through two episodes. You can see what an incredible group of women they have in the house. Zach's made it very clear he's not here to waste anybody's time. And he's putting in his best effort to, to find his person and to give everybody that time. And I guarantee his decisions moving forward are going to get tougher and tougher. And I've said this before, this is the most emotional season that I've hosted in the franchise. And I think a lot of the drama that comes out of this year is more organic. It's less about the cattiness and the drama and more about the love story and romance, but this is an outstanding group of women that is going to make it very, very interesting mm. and make it very difficult on Zach. People are going to see that as the season unfolds. I love it. Well, The Bachelor airs every Monday night at eight on ABC. Jesse, it was so good to see you again. Thanks for stopping by to discuss this all with me. You got it. Thanks so much. All right, guys, with the Super Bowl team set, a former NFL star and four-time champion recently shared a secret to his success, partying. Last night, Rob Gronkowski was on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Gronk, as the lovable lug is often referred to, made quite the reputation for himself on the field with his ability to make big plays. He also made quite a name for himself by letting it all out on the dance floor. Last night, Fallon asked him about this partying past. I've read somewhere that you said that you believe your partying made you a better player. Uh, yes, in, in ways. So I've always said that, you know, it was kind of like my, my my past to, to partying, you know, everyone's like, Rob, you're partying too much or whatever. I just had a good time growing up. Gronk blamed his partying ways from having grown up in Buffalo and pointed to Bills fans, aka the Bills Mafia, who are known for wild tailgating, jumping off of RVs, and body slamming tables. The future Hall of Fame tight end then elaborated on why exactly he thought partying contributed to his success. And then I realized, like, I was telling everyone, like, it makes me better if I party. Like, I'm, I'm a better player out on the field. And then I realized it, and then I went back, and I was like, how do I party? Well, I'm carrying my friends, you know, 
throughout the bar. I'm holding them up. I'm lifting them. I'm curling them. Okay, They're on my back. I'm jumping up and down and I'm dancing the whole time. Kind of like Austin Butler. I'm freaking gyrating. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he has a point. Gyrating like Austin Butler's Elvis looks like some good cardio, right? And, and curling your friends is one way to add some muscle mass. So you hear that, Niners? I guess the best way to get ready for next season is to get out there and party. Oh, and I don't know, have a healthy quarterback. Just a thought. All right. Well, that's all we have for today's show. As always, I appreciate you letting me be a part of your day. And I'll be back again tomorrow with a brand new episode of People Every Day.